0: we are beginning a brand new series, and uh, I'm excited about the series. I'm trusting that God's going to do some great things. This is week one of a four-week series that we're doing. Um, You know, February is a special month. Um, I made the mistake the other day. About a week or two ago, I said to Marianne, so which day is Valentine's Day? Is it the 14th or the 15th? I can't remember. Gentlemen, don't. Do that. Don't ask that question. I got corrected for sure. But anyhow, uh, it's a special month because there's Valentine's Day and also our kickoff <coughs> of our life groups, which uh, was just announced by Christine. For Word of Life, February becomes that kind of a relational month. Let's call it that, a relational kind of month. The series that I'm going in is t- entitled From This Day Forward. FROM THIS DAY FORWARD. IT COMES FROM A BOOK WRITTEN BY CRAIG GROSCHEL. A LOT OF US FOLLOW CRAIG. A LOT OF US KNOW HIM, AND, and uh, HE'S A GREAT PASTOR LEADER. AND THE BOOK HE WROTE WAS ENTITLED FROM THIS DAY FORWARD. FROM THIS DAY FORWARD. SO I'M GOING TO BE PULLING QUITE A BIT OF STUFF FROM THE BOOK AS WELL AS THINGS FROM MY OTHERS THAT I FOLLOW AFTER A LITTLE BIT, SUCH AS CYMBOLA AND HODGES AND, and uh, GATEWAY AND, OF COURSE, MY OWN SELF, SOME OF MY EXPERIENCES. SO OVER THE NEXT FEW WEEKS, WHAT I WANT TO DO IS I WANT TO DEAL with marriage. I want to deal with marriage, and I also want to invest into those who are hoping to be married someday, whoever you may be out there. And also, I want to give you some truths and some tools on the front side of marriage that's going to help you to prepare for a godly marriage because that's what I believe you really do want. If you're a Christ follower, I believe that you would want everything and anything that God would give you. If that's what you want, say amen. So let's dig in together. But before we dig in, let me do a survey. I'm asking everybody to please participate. How many people here today are married? Would you hold up your hand? Okay, you can put your hands down. How many of you are not married? Would you lift up your hands? Okay, you can put your hands down. How many of you are uh, just single and would want to meet The right person, the one. Would you raise your hand? Hold it up, hold it up. Look around, look around. There may be the right guy, the right girl for you right now. Okay, you can put them all down. Oh, my last question is, and uh, how many of you have found the one but would like to trade him or her in? No, don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding with that one. Don't you dare raise your hand. Go with me to the book of Lamentations, if you would. The book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations... uh, Scholars believe that Jeremiah is the the author, and that's not Jeremiah Polson, who's our youth pastor. It's uh, another Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah the prophet. And actually, the book of Lamentations, it's a rather depressing book, if you read it. I mean, it's, it's pretty much all about suffering and hardships, sorrow, and sin. But there's a redemption quality to the book, and that is, is that people have learned lessons. So as they go into deep Uh, thought and talk about what they're going through, they also have resolved it. They have also come to the place where they've been able to deal with this in a proper way. Go with me to Lamentations chapter 3. We're going to begin at verse 19. If you do not have a a smartphone or whatever, you can watch behind me because everything is going to be projected. Lamentations chapter uh, 3, verse 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall, I well remember them, the prophet says, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Okay, so I just read it. Let me break it down. Let me just give you, this is an introduction to the series, so let me just give you a few thoughts with all of this. Let's, let's break this down. Verse 19, let me read it again. Verse 19, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. What this, this prophet is talking about, what he is saying, as I look back on my life, as I look back on my life, I can see that, that uh, I, I went off the grid a lot of times. I mean, I would stumble all the time when I consider what I, what I have done and, and the trouble I've been in. I can see that clearly right now. And he says in verse 20, he says, And I well remember, I well remember that my, and my soul is downcast within me. He says that, that I want to stop right here right now because he's doing what I think we all need to do. And that is to be honest with ourselves. Be honest with ourselves and be honest to God and be honest should you have a significant other in your life right now. And the honesty is, is that we've all made mistakes. Every one of us. There are a lot of us who have experienced a lot of bad in our past. IN OTHER WORDS, YOU AND I HAVE PROBABLY MADE SOME REALLY BAD DECISIONS. AND THE GUY SPEAKING TO YOU RIGHT NOW IS ONE OF THOSE WHO HAD SOME BAD DECISIONS IN MY PAST. AND HE'S, he's THINKING THROUGH THIS. THIS, this uh, PROPHET IS THINKING THROUGH. AND, and uh, HE SAYS THAT'S... Uh, what, WHAT WE FIND HERE IS THAT uh, THE TITLE OF ALL OF THIS IS WHAT HE'S THINKING ABOUT FROM THIS DAY FORWARD. IN OTHER WORDS, HE'S, he's TALKING ABOUT THESE THINGS THAT HAPPENED IN THE PAST, BUT I'M NOT STAYING THERE. I'M GOING TO MOVE FORWARD. I'm going to continue to move forward in my life. And so from this day forward, of course, you know in the wedding vows, so often this is said, not every vow says this, but most of them do. It would say, I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day forward. So it's part of our promises. It's part of the vows that we have. In other words, what we are saying with that kind of thought, thinking of our past. From this day forward, he says, I recognize that I have a past. I admit to it. I've dated other people sometime before you. I've done some things before you, good and bad. I realize that. But all of that is in the past. All of that is my past. All of that is our past. And now I live from this day forward. Do you know how healthy that is? Do you know how right that would be? Of course, if there's sin, you need to confess your sin to God, but whoever you've sinned against. But the fact is, is that this guy is understanding this. I love this guy. I mean, look at verse 21. He says, uh, yet this I called to mind, and therefore I have hope. This guy has hope. What did he call to his mind? He called to his mind that God is great is what he was doing. He's thinking about that. God is great. Look at verse 22. HE SAYS, BECAUSE OF THE LORD'S GREAT LOVE, WE ARE NOT CONSUMED. WHY? BECAUSE HIS COMPASSIONS NEVER FAIL. HE CAN IDENTIFY WHO GOD REALLY IS IN THE MIDST OF THE MOST DIFFICULT TIMES OF HIS LIFE. AND HE GOES ON TO SAY, AND GOD HASN'T ANNIHILATED ME. GOD HASN'T wiped ME OUT. GOD HASN'T ZAPPED ME AND I'M NO LONGER HERE. WHY? BECAUSE HE SAYS IN VERSE 23, GREAT IS YOUR FAITHFULNESS, GOD. Why? Because his compassions never fail. The word compassions are in the, in the uh, NIV, but if you were to go to the original King James Version, it says the words, uh, his mercies never fail me. They are new every morning, new every morning. Man, I want you to wake up tomorrow morning echoing hearing that word that I just said, that the mercies of God, the, the compassion of God is new this morning, a brand new morning for you and I. He doesn't hold grudges. He's not mad at you and I. They're new every morning. God is so good. Church, listen to me. God is always, always willing to give you a do-over. No matter what your past is, no matter what you've done. And we all know each and every one of our lives just how dark it really is. And as this prophet is looking back over his life, he's just saying, it's a mess. It was a mess. It was a mess, but God is great. And as a result of God's grace, I can have hope. God will, uh, is always willing to give you a do-over. Our God is willing to give you a blank page. You can start a brand new page of your, your the story of your life if you would just call on Him. Our God is always a from-this-day kind of God. God wants you to know that He knows that you and I have made tons of mistakes. He understands that. That's why it's in the Word of God. That's why it's in the Bible that God would help you and I to identify the facts. We've made some dumb decisions. We've been involved with wrong things at wrong times in our lives, and God wants us to understand that. But because of his great love for you and me, his compassions and his mercies are new every morning, and he offers that to every single one of us from this day forward. We can have that anticipation. I open with all of that because I want that to be the tone of this four-week series. I want you to realize Randy Chiz is not getting up here to beat anybody up. I'm not going to talk bad about you. I'm going to challenge you. I had one man say that he pointed at me and he said, you pointed your finger at me about three times with that message today, first service. So I might be pointing my finger at everyone. I don't know. I'm just kidding. It's hard for me to even see faces with these glasses on, and it's even worse with them off. So I'm not thinking about you. Listen, if you're not careful, really, honestly, let me get back to it now. A relationship series can really get discouraging especially for those who would have been struggling for any length of time. This could be a bit overwhelming, but let me remind you. Let me remind you of something that I just said in case it sort of slipped already, and that is we serve a God whose mercies never fail us. They never, do you know what mercy means? It means compassion, kindness, and understanding. We serve a God who is understanding of our weaknesses. We serve a God God who is understanding of our issues and challenges. I want you to remember God is for you. He's not against you. He wants your marriage. He wants your relationships to win, to work, and he has a plan. He has a way to make that happen. So the question of this series would be trying to answer the question, are great marriages possible? Are great marriages even possible nowadays? Now, uh, Donnie Downer, uh, I know he attends here, and maybe you're one of the Donnie Downers or Downer Debbie, maybe, would be you. But the fact of the matter is, when I ask the questions, are great marriages possible? Donnie Downer would say, yeah, in the movies. Sure, in fairy tales. After all, pastor, we all have major issues in our marriage. Most of us are just trying to exist, trying to just get through this, endure the best that we can. In fact, PR, I bet that you and Marianne have a bunch of problems too but you wouldn't even tell us that well let me stop you right there before you get going too far donnie downer and let me just say this because um I, I beg to differ differ with you on some of those areas especially in the area of area of marriage because i believe that god has a plan god has a plan for you to have a great marriage and for the believer and the follower of jesus you and i have a choice today you and i have a choice if, if you plan on, as a follower of Jesus now, if you're a, if you're a believer, uh, if, if you travel down the same road as most of society that, that they're going down, of course, you're going to end up at the very same destination. If you're going to follow the ways of the world when it comes to marriage and relationships, you're going to end up at the same place as all of the rest of the world is going. BUT WE HERE AT WORD OF LIFE, I HERE AS PASTOR OF WORD OF LIFE, WE BELIEVE THAT GOD HAS SOMETHING HIGHER, GOD HAS SOMETHING BETTER, GOD HAS SOMETHING GREATER FOR YOU AND ME AS CHRIST FOLLOWERS, GREATER THAN ANYTHING THAT THIS WORLD, OUR SOCIETY COULD EVER OFFER US. HE HAS A PLAN FOR YOU AND I. COME ON, GIVE ME AN AMEN. IN YOUR MARRIAGE RELATIONSHIPS, IF YOU WANT SOMETHING DIFFERENT, THEN YOU NEED TO GO DOWN A DIFFERENT PATH. IF YOU'RE HERE TODAY, whether believer or unbeliever, if you want something different happening in your relationships, you're, you're going to have to go on a different path. Or if you stay the same route, it's going to be the same result like everybody else has. You know, that's what Marianne and I decided 44 years ago. 44 l- beautiful years ago. 44, did you hear 44? That's a lifetime. But it's been the best. It's really been the best. She and I decided 44 years ago, we literally did this, that we weren't going to do it like everybody else. She's my high school sweetheart. Sorry. We've been a lot. We've been through a lot of recent. And you, most of you know what I'm talking about. And I couldn't have made it without her. I know that. She was my partner, and God was so faithful to allow us to be together. We made a decision years ago that we weren't going to do it like the rest of the world. We're going to love one another and love our family. And I'm a big crybaby today. And I'm crazy in love with her. And I know she's crazy in love with (laughs) me, too. So I want to say to both the believer and the unbeliever, Alike. If you live your life as the very high population of our world lives and do not follow God's plan for your marriage and your family, then the odds are stacked against you. They're stacked against you. At the best that you have for your future in your relationships is a 50 50 chance. The numbers are the same for Christian and non Christian alike. If you're following the ways of the world as far as how you deal with things, at best, you're going to have a 50/50 chance of making your marriage work. And I want to suggest to both the believer and the unbeliever alike there is another way. God has a way for those who would want to follow him and follow him from this day forward. As we go into this series, from this day forward, there will uh, if you would take those uh, take that move toward that, there will be a, a greater possibility of you having a fulfilled marriage. Following after God in order to increase those odds for good in order to believe like no one else that we can have a great marriage Pastor Craig Rochelle in his book I'm going to show you a couple of thoughts here says that these are some four things that we need to follow to make sure that we have Been following God himself. So number one four things number one is to seek God He says these four things we need to commit to number one is to seek God so today, that's what I'm going to be dealing with. This is this, the message of this week: is to seek God. Uh, I want to show you how uh, this is uh, th- this is the number one essential thing for you and I to have a great relationship. Number two is to have fun. Number one, we're talking about seeking God today. Number two is about having fun. This is going to be a romance message. Just want to warn you, it's going to be a PG-13. Kind OF MESSAGE, SO IF YOU HAVE LITTLE ONES UNDER THE AGE OF 13, YOU JUST MIGHT WANT TO SEND THEM OVER TO OUR AMAZING KIDS MINISTRIES THAT WE HAVE HERE AT WORD OF LIFE, AND I CAN JUST SEE SOME MEN WRITING DOWN SOME DAYS, PASTOR, what WHAT DAY IS THAT? WHEN ARE YOU GOING TO DO THAT? BECAUSE I'M GOING TO BE THERE, THAT'S FOR SURE. OKAY, SO THAT IS NEXT WEEK. WE'RE GOING TO HAVE FUN. NUMBER THREE IS TO STAY PURE. LISTEN, THERE'S NO WAY YOUR MARRIAGE WILL MAKE IT IF YOU HAVE FALLEN INTO THE TRAP AND THE VILE AND THE DISGUSTING LIFESTYLE THAT THIS WORLD OFFERS US WHEN IT COMES TO RELATIONSHIPS. They've got it all wrong. Oh, They may be living life and may even be having a lot of fun in it. But as far as what God has in store, it's completely the opposite of what God, just about completely the opposite of what it is that God has in store. In my last and final week, we're going to be talking about never give up, what endurance looks like, and how we can really live out till death, till death do us part. Uh, today, let's go ahead and begin to talk about seeking God. I want to move into, right into that. Um, I WANT TO GO TO A VERSE. GO WITH ME TO MATTHEW CHAPTER 6. IT'S A VERSE THAT MANY OF US HERE IN THE CHURCH ARE RATHER FAMILIAR WITH. BUT THE PROBLEM, EVEN THOUGH YOU MAY BE FAMILIAR WITH IT, YOU MAY KNOW EXACTLY WHAT MATTHEW 6:33 SAYS, um, IT JUST MAY NOT BE AS MUCH OF A PART OF YOUR LIFE AS YOU THINK IT WOULD BE. SO GO WITH ME THERE. MATTHEW CHAPTER 6, VERSE 33. JESUS SAYS THESE WORDS. HE SAYS, BUT SEEK FIRST HIS KINGDOM AND HIS RIGHTEOUSNESS, AND ALL THESE THINGS WILL BE GIVEN TO YOU AS WELL. Jesus says, seek first. So the attitude and the thought process as we go into this from this day forward needs to be, I am choosing, I have decided that I'm going to seek God, God's kingdom first is what I'm going to do. So rather than saying those words, God's kingdom first, let me just paraphrase it now down to two words. I, let me let me you and I begin to say, from this day forward, it's going to be God first, God first. I'm going to go after God first. And after, and as I go after God first, right then and there, when you go after God first, he is, he is the one who is going to now get involved. As soon as you move toward God, He moves toward you. For some Christians, the truth is, God is not actively involved in their life. And the reason for that is because you have not really done the seek God first thing. You and I need to seek God. God first. So how do I get the power of God in my situation, in my marriage, in my relationships? It's God first. You've got to have God. When you have God, He shows up and He's there and He begins to give you all the power, all the direction, all the wisdom that you and I need. Jesus said, but seek first His kingdom and righteousness and all these things are going to be added unto you. What Jesus is literally saying is that if you would focus on getting close to me I can take care of your stuff if you would be committed from this day forward on this Sunday here in early February of 2018 that from this day forward I'm going to first seek God seek God first I'm telling you Jesus is saying literally saying if you would focus on uh, getting close to me, I can take care of your stuff. But if you don't want me to take care of your stuff, then you need to realize that you're not, that you are opting out of my power working within you. Should you not do the steps, should you not follow God in His Word, then you're opting out. And at best, you're going to have a 50 50 chance of a successful relationship, of a sexual, of a <laughs> sexual. My God, I am already thinking about next week's message because you're saying God first. (laughs) Oh, dear Jesus, be with me today. You need to realize that you're opting out of my power working in your life. As this relates to relationships, a lot of people seem to make the mistake, especially singles, and maybe if I could say singles who are hot on the trail to find another person. Uh, I've had, I've done many, many weddings. I've met with many people over, over 34 years of ministry, needless to say. And I've had people come to me and would say something like this. Pastor, you, you, you've just got to pray for me. I mean, you've got to pray for me to get the one. You've got to pray for me to get the one because I believe there's one out there for me. And I believe that too. I just want you to know that. And I'm looking for that one who will change everything of my life. Now uh, to me already this person as far as I'm concerned they're into too many chick flicks I think you need to tone that down just a little bit but what they go where they go typically with those kind of things is oh I just need that person who's going to completely who's going to complete complete me sorry because right now I'm incomplete and when he comes along I know my life will be completely fulfilled I will be a complete person Listen please I want to stop you right there just for a moment actually that's a very flawed concept, because no one, no one on planet Earth, not a single person on planet Earth could ever complete you. you. Would you please give me an amen with that? Because that's the truth. Even a lot of us, when we get married, and we find that person that we do believe is the right one, and I hope and pray that it would be for you, but even when we find them, we find ourselves beginning to idolize them. We idolize them, and just so you know, anything that you idolize other than God himself, you demonize. Anyone, anything you idolize other than God himself, you demonize. And do you know why? Because they are not fit to be an idol. That's why. And they'll fail you every time. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you idolize them, they're going to fail you. If you put them on this high pedestal of how great and amazing they are... they're going to fail you. Everything we idolize will eventually fail us. That's why there's only one who is worthy of our full attention, all of our praise and honor and worship, and his name is the living God. Would you give the Lord a round of applause? He's the living God. We offer you praise. I've seen it over and over in my 34 years of ministry. Uh, The very thing that you appreciated or that they appreciated when they got married is the exact, that very same thing that they despise at this point. You idolize them, then you demonize them, is how it goes. Oh, when I met him, he was so laid back. He was so calm. He was so cool. He was so collected. Eleven months later down the road, he's nothing but a bump on a log is all that he is. The same guy, you idolize him, you demonize him. The girl, the lady, the her, she comes along, And you sit back and you say, my God, she is so organized. She is so uh, detailed and so incredible in all that she does. Six months later, she's a control freak. She's driving me crazy with all of this stuff. Same girl, you idolize her and you demonize her. How come more of you aren't laughing? I thought that was really pretty funny. So, Pastor, what do we do about that? Well, it's huge. You have to understand. Listen, this is so important, please. You can't allow people ever to be in the position that only God intended to be. You can't do that. You can't do that. Don't you dare put me in the position that you expect me to be right or on top or above it all. I just broke down again. I don't like breaking down in front of anybody. So don't don't put that on people. You can't allow people ever to be in a position that only God intended to be. And the truth be known, a lot of the reasons why so many relationships have failed is that we are expecting from people what only God can give us. You're expecting your husband, you're expecting your wife, you're expecting your 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 children, your mother, your father to be perfect in all of these things. And there's only one who was perfect. You need to understand. Do you agree with me on that or don't you? (laughs) Those are things that I believe we need to do. They can't live up to your pressure, and it's, it's just too hard. So let me go a little bit deeper, if you don't mind, and this is going to hurt. Let me go just a little bit deeper with you. The reason why you are, you are expecting it from them, why you're expecting it from them, this is tough, but it's because you really don't have it in yourself with your God. In other words, you're not seeing God for who He really is and who He really wants to be in your life. So you look to him, you look to her, you look to your kids, you look to whoever they may be in your life, and you're putting all kinds of pressure on them to be able to move forward. There are three quick principles I wanna do right here, real quick. Number one, number one is God is my one and my spouse is my two. God is my one and my spouse is my two. Remember, God first, don't forget it, this series. God first, God is my one for our good. For our good, God says these words. He says it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all, the, all of your strength. For our good, God tells us that. He's commanding us, but he can't make us because you have a free will to say yes or to say no to him. So he, he says to us, you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And in other words, now, today, you are saying in this marriage series, I am choosing to seek God first. I am going to be a man or a woman that is going after God first. Every day of my life, every, every, uh, every decision I have to make, he's going to be number one. Let me emphasize this principle first, and I say it again. Jesus is, is the one, and your spouse is the two. So, let me dig deeper. Pursuing marriage more than pursuing God is nothing but idolatry. Pursuing marriage more than pursuing God is nothing but idolatry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14, Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. What the Apostle Paul is telling us is this, is that there is nothing and there is no one that can take precedence over our God in our lives. No one. There can be no one. My wife does not take precedence and I don't take precedence in her life over God in no way, shape, or form. So let me, let me, uh, let me just talk about that just for a moment. A lot of you are, are seeking that person to be the first instead of God, to be that number one instead of God. To you guys, I'm going to ask you to, who, are, who are not married, I'm going to ask you to go with me on this next point, which, which is point number two. And that is, I will seek the one while preparing for my two. A lot of us aren't seeking after God first. So I'm challenging you that, that with this thought that I will seek the one while preparing for my two. That's exactly the commitment that you need to make. You as a single have to decide, I am not going to focus on my future spouse right now, and I'm challenging you with that. I'm really challenging you with that. In fact, the scripture I love is found in Jeremiah 33. Uh, 3. The prophet says, this is God speaking, call unto me. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know about. So my challenge to you is this. My challenge is is that I'm not going to focus on my future spouse right now. But my challenge is that you're going to be the one who's going to seek after God. That you're going to dig deeper than you've ever dug before. That you're going to get as close to God as you could possibly get and if you do that I promise you you're going to discover at least two things at least two things the first thing is that if I will seek the one while preparing for my for for my uh number two uh this, the first thing is is that you'll become very attractive to those who are looking for a spouse and you might sit back and say well why or how could that possibly happen well, listen. The reason why it's happening is because you're not looking for just anybody. If you are, if you are determining within your heart and your spirit that rather than pursuing at this particular time, I'm going to pursue God instead, that becomes very attractive. That becomes attractive. Why is it attractive? Because you are becoming what you want to become, and that is a God, a man of God, or a woman of God. As a result of all of that, that becomes very attractive to those. You're li- literally working on what you want. To have happened within your own life the second thing is is that god's power starts to go in in, in uh, into motion and now the work can begin god is going to be do, doing things in your life that's going to prove to you just how great he is and the third thing is is that i will seek my one with my number two so for the married who are here the question would be what what do we do i will seek my one with my two again psalm 133 verse one how good and pleasant it is When God's people uh, live together in unity. The truth of the matter is this. A lot of Christian couples really don't seek after God. They really don't. Oh, they may come to church occasionally. But a lot. And and it's not my church. It's those other churches. Those other churches aren't. I'm just kidding with you. The fact of the matter is a lot of us don't. And let me be very pointed with what I want to say with that thought. If you're a married couple and you call yourself Christian, and you occasionally come to church but don't actively seek after God together, honestly, you are basically keeping yourself at that 50-50 chance of your relationship continuing to move forward. You can't do that. It has to go deeper than what you're doing right now. And honestly, you, you you are facing some things that probably none of us want to go through. Because there is no difference, as I said earlier, between the stats of the Christian and the non-Christian alike, the same numbers are getting divorced. It's a 50-50 chance. So listen, it's because they are on uh, because they're missing out on the principle of seeking God first. With my two, you've got to do this properly. Listen, it's not only important to keep God at number one, and again never expecting your spouse to be something that God himself should be. But a lot of us are putting way too much pressure on our spouses, and we've got to back away from that. It can't be that way. And for some, there are even different applications of this truth that I'm speaking on right now. For some of you, you are seeking God as your one, but your spouse isn't your number two. Your kids are your number two. Your grandkids are your number two. Your friends are your number two. Your job would be your number two. Your career, your hobbies. And it's easy to evaluate what is number two. It's easy because all you need to do is, are you, are you putting more time and energy and money into them or into her or into him? the one who really should be second priority in your life always should be God. Excuse me, should always be your spouse. And God should always take preeminence. I want to give you three last tools, how to seek God together, three principles that I believe are found in God's word that I think personally that it's rather mind-boggling with what I'm going to share with you. These three principles have been found in God's word. And listen to this, the Harvard Business School, the Harvard Business School affirms its works, that this thing works right here. And I always love it when God does something, says something, and then all of a sudden science comes in or other data would come our way and says, you know what, it is true, it does work. So Harvard Business School affirms these three points that I'm going to share with you, that it works. It really works. It actually works. So I've written this little paragraph and it's going to be projected behind me that I'm going to read to you. A Harvard study revealed that only one out of 1,246 couples got a divorce. Let me say it again. A Harvard study revealed that only one out of 1,246 couples got a divorce if they just did these three simple things on a regular basis. Now let me ask you, if anybody was to come to you and say to you, I know that your odds are at 50-50 right now, but um, I could change all of that. I could change it from a 50-50 50 odds to 1 out of 1,246 chances that it won't, you will not divorce, wouldn't you be interested, a little bit interested into what they would have to say? Or maybe another good example is that, let's just say you're going to jump on a plane this week and you're going to fly somewhere. How would you feel if all of a sudden the speaker got on the pilot and he says, "Um, by the way, if you fly with us today on this airplane, it's about a 50-50 chance we're going to make it without crashing. I mean, I just don't think a whole lot of people would want to stay on the plane. But if that same pilot said, but if you get off this plane right now and go over there and get on that plane, there is only a one out of 1,246 chances that that plane will ever go down. I mean, you're going to jump on that other plane for sure. And the same is true with this particular thing in dealing with it right here. It's a no-brainer. No so these three principles, I'm, I'm promising you, are going to stretch some of you. They're going to be difficult and they're going to be a bit uncomfortable as we close off this message and that is um but it's worth it it's worth every bit of it take it from a guy who's been married 44 years now it's worth every bit of it number one a couple that prays together stays together a couple that prays together stays together now i am assuming that for some men those were only women clapping um i assume for some men this is a little bit challenging because a lot of us men are a little bit proud and a little bit challenging. So the wives, are, women are going like this and the men are going, oh, great, I don't want to hear this one. But listen to me, it's not going to be as painful as you think. I know that uh, a lot of us know that the disciplines of prayer of prayer are very important. Every Christian needs to do that. But honestly, it is uncomfortable. We all know that. Men know that especially, but sometimes even women. We, it's sometimes it's just uncom- un- uncomfortable praying publicly and praying with other people, whether it's your spouse or whoever it may be. Sometimes it's it's uncomfortable. What most people believe is, um, and they believe this in an error, by the way, that my faith is to be something just between me and God. It's supposed to be private. This is my thing. You may have gotten hired somewhere, and they know you as a Christian, and they would say to you, listen, you can be a Christian here, but just don't, don't be, start sharing your faith around here. You know, that's a private thing. You don't talk about that. AND I'M HERE TO TELL YOU I BELIEVE THAT THEY'RE DEAD WRONG. I DON'T THINK THAT THAT'S RIGHT AT ALL. I DON'T THINK THAT THAT'S WHAT GOD EVER INTENDED. YOUR FAITH HAS ALWAYS BEEN INTENDED TO BE the, a, a VERY PUBLIC uh, KIND OF a, a EXPERIENCE. AND THE ACTION OF YOUR FAITH WORKS BEST, NOT WHEN YOU'RE WITH GOD ALONE. IT WORKS BEST WHEN YOU'RE WITH OTHER PEOPLE, WHEN YOU'RE INVOLVED with, uh, with, uh, IN FAITH WITH EACH OTHER. IN FACT, IN JAMES, CHAPTER 5, VERSE 16, JAMES SAYS, THEREFORE, CONFESS YOUR SINS TO EACH OTHER and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it is effective. You see, the word sin here in this particular verse with with James, it's not dealing with just the wrongs, not dealing with just the sin, the mistakes that we would make. It's even bigger than that. It's more inclusive than just that. It does mean that kind of sin, but it also is talking about there and in other places what you have a problem with, an issue that you may be dealing, whatever the problem may be in your life. AND YOU CAN READ IT AS SOMETHING LIKE THIS, CONFESS YOUR PROBLEMS TO EACH OTHER, CONFESS YOUR SINS, CONFESS YOUR your PROBLEMS TO EACH OTHER, AND NOT JUST TO GOD, He's not, JAMES ISN'T SAYING JUST TALK TO GOD ABOUT THIS, HE'S SAYING TO GOD AND TO each other. James says that kind of prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's mighty. When you're praying not just to God, but you find a brother, you find a sister, you find someone, your spouse, whoever however that may look for you, whatever the issue may be, as you sit down and talk with them, that kind of prayer is more effective. Just so you know, praying together with your spouse is not does not mean you have to get up early in the morning, really really early, early and pray 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 forever. That's not what we're talking about. I don't want to do that, neither do you. In fact I will say this much to you, Marianne and I, we don't do that. We do not pray together. I get up earlier than she does. I get up and get out of bed and I get on um, I sit and read the Bible for about 20 minutes, a half hour and then I'm on my way here. I get here at different time, times but very early in the morning. Marianne, she's at home. She stays at home. She spends her time there and I come home often her eyes are red, her nose is red, she's been in God's presence. It's been beautiful, it's really wonderful. And I only share that with you to make you feel better. Just in case you're wondering, how do we deal with this? We, we, What we do, even though we don't pray every day together that way, we pray every day for you. In other words, we get the phone calls, we get the text messages, the, the thing online or whatever that something happened to you, something's happened to your kids, something has happened. And Marianne and I, we get together immediately, we put our arms around each other, we hold hands and we pray. We pray for that. Then afterwards, I kiss her. And never, never mind what we do after that. But anyhow, we do, we do pray for you uh, whenever the need is uh, asked for. I am just saying bring prayer into your relationship some way or another. And let me give a quick warning to those who are single. I've got to be quick. I'm really running behind. Those who are single uh, uh, talk to you about prayer real quick. I think it's very healthy for you as a single person to have a prayer life together. I get that in a relationship. And uh, you need to do this. But... But do it in public places. Prayer can be very intimate. So do it in public places. If you're dating, do not pray alone together. And for God's sake, for heaven's sake, maybe I should say, don't pray together alone on a sofa. Because you're going to start speaking in tongues and we don't want you to do that at this particular time. And I'm not talking about the holy kind of tongues either. So don't go there. In fact, let the angels' prostrate fall. That's what the Bible says to do. You stand up straight. You, do, you don't need to be laying on a couch. Okay, let me continue on. Point number two is discuss the Bible together. Discuss the Bible together. Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'm not going to read it, but you can read it on your own uh, uh, just on the road. And once again, Marianne and I don't read the Bible together. We really don't, but we always, almost every day, not every day, almost, she'll show me something in Scripture that God spoke to her about. I do the same with her. Um, the best application for this principle, as far as I'm concerned, is small groups. Small groups where, where we would be able to come together as life groups. And by the way, as was announced, um, sign up begins next week. And then they're going to be launched at the end of the month on the 25th, I believe it is what it is. Um, because the heart of life groups is this, is that we're coming together. We're coming into relationship with one another and God's word is becoming real to us. There's something about that that just brings life. I encourage you to be a part of life groups. Get involved with them. There's about 20 20 plus that are being available to us this, this semester. So I encourage you to do all of that. Number three would be attend church together. Yeah, that's right. Attend church together. But pastor, we're here. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, listen, I just, instead of just agreeing with you that I know you're here, I want to ask you to go to another level that only you and your spouse can make that decision. I'M ASKING YOU NOT ONLY TO JUST COME TO CHURCH, BUT I'M ALSO ASKING YOU THAT YOU WOULD MAKE CHURCH A WE DON'T MISS KIND OF THING. IT'S REAL EASY FOR US TO NOT COME TO CHURCH ON SUNDAY. OUR SOCIETY, OUR CULTURE JUST HAS THAT KIND OF AN EMPHASIS RIGHT NOW, BUT I'M CHALLENGING MY CHURCH THAT YOU WOULD CONSIDER DOING IT A LITTLE BIT DIFFERENT. WHY AM I TELLING YOU ALL THESE THINGS? BECAUSE I WANT I want TO CHANGE THOSE ODDS FOR YOU. I WANT YOU TO BE ABLE TO SAVE THIS RELATIONSHIP, SAVE THIS MARRIAGE. IN LUKE CHAPTER 4, VERSE 16. It tells us, it says that this was Jesus' custom to go to church. And he went to Nazareth and where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He did that. And if our Savior, Redeemer, did that, how much more should you and I? So here's how I close. You have got to get God involved in your marriage. You have to do that in your relationships. Neither one of you are good enough to keep this marriage together. Let me be a little bit more offensive. None of you are are, are attractive enough to keep this marriage together. All kinds of things come up against us. There has to be something greater at work inside of you than yourself. Because remember, we're fallen. We're sinners. So what are you going to do about this? Well, from this day forward. From this day forward, we're going to live different than we've been living before. The number one essential of my marriage, of our relationships, is going to be living A God-first kind of life. Would you stand with me to your feet? If you're going to have our intercessors, please come down. Do we have any intercessors? Are they here? We don't have any. If you're an intercessor, come on down. If you've been with us before, please feel free to do that. We're going to sing our last and final song. And as we do that, if you would like prayer for anything, you can come down and they will pray for you. You don't need to give details. Don't give details. Just... I need prayer for my marriage, I need prayer for my health, whatever it would be, and let them pray over you while we sing this last song, and, uh, and then we'll go.